0: This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor.
1: And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's despite what this script says, it's Tuesday the 13th of July 2021.
0: And Norman, yesterday we saw uh, an unfortunate milestone passed in the Sydney outbreak, with more than a hundred cases recorded, and no real signs that it's coming down anytime soon. So, can we take a step back today and just look at the evolution of this outbreak, and then what the best minds who've been looking at this are, are telling us about just how long? it's going to take and what it's going to take to get it under control.
1: Well, last night on 7.30, I had data journalist and analyst Juliette O'Brien on, who's provided a lot of very good material and data on the COVID-19 pandemic, as a whole group of these volunteer data analysts have. And her analysis is of the Sydney outbreak, there's there's been four key moments, she says. The first was the original incursion event of the liminal driver. The second was at Westfield Shopping Centre at Bondi, which saw a significant spread from there into the eastern suburbs. The third event was a previously undetected chain of transmission in inner western Sydney to do with a seafood wholesaler in Marrickville. And now there's the fourth moment, she argues, which is the spread, explosive spread, as she puts it, in southwest Sydney. And what she's saying is that each of these moments, New South Wales Health has made increasing restrictions at each one of those pivot points. But it's, it's, these are restrictions that haven't actually gone to a full lockdown, although it's, it's pretty close at the moment. And the problem is they're chasing their tail and that uh, contact tracers, at least on yesterday's data, are probably losing control of the situation, good as they are.
0: Well, it's all very well and good to sort of see this stuff in the rearview mirror, I'd like to see these pivotal moments in the past. But what could New South Wales Health have been done to be proactive rather than reactive?
1: Well, rather than picking over the bones of what might have been, it's very hard to compare this to, you know, to overlay the, the the graph goes up pretty steeply in New South Wales as it does as it did in Victoria. Victoria was much slower to respond last year. We're
0: talking about the big second wave outbreak in Victoria.
1: Big second wave last year. It was, it was probably in day 30-something when they moved into stage 3, day 60-something when they moved into stage 4. New South Wales has gone into the, those sorts of restrictions around about, well, stage 3, around about day 9. But it doesn't necessarily make it any easier to control. So the Burnett Institute, and we had this on last night's 7.30 and on the Health Report, which you can go back to and look where you get your podcasts, looks at modelling, which is what they know from the, even though they were late, what we know about the effects of the interventions in Victoria. So they've got kind of a mathematical analysis of what happened in Victoria when they put down each restriction. And what they've then done is plugged in the data from New South Wales on contact tracing. So contact tracing is Amazing in New South Wales compared to Victoria last year, but also you've got the Delta variant, which is two or three times more contagious than the essentially modified Wuhan virus, which was affecting Victoria in the, last, in the second wave a year ago. And when they do that, they say that the current restrictions will work, but they'll work slowly. And it'll, in fact, take some months to come under control. And Juliet O'Brien says the same thing. She says maybe two or three months. And the worst case scenario from the Burnett says Christmas.
0: Oh my gosh, that's a gut punch for people in Sydney who are already living under restrictions. If they brought in tougher restrictions, would that time frame be condensed?
1: So if you go to stage four using the Victorian modelling, which is really a lot tougher, five kilometres, defining what businesses are open, defining what is essential work, what isn't, really keeping people at home, then they think it would come under control in about a month. And by under control, meaning down to about five cases a day and no community spread.
0: Does he ever reach a point of no return with spread where you just can't get it under control again?
1: Well, it's very hard to get it back to zero spread as they've found in Britain. So in Britain, they've had months of lockdown, which has really never got it down to zero spread. So once you get to very large numbers, all you can do is control it and really balance it up against the hospital usage and how many people are dying and so on. Is essentially, you're making the best out of a really bad lot. But when you're at this sort of level, which is hundreds rather than thousands, you can bring it back. And Victoria brought it back. theirs was a, a bigger outbreak, at least when it peaked. But already we're getting to very large numbers in New South Wales compared to the Victorian outbreak.
0: So if I was living in Sydney and you are Norman, this is a pretty complex and not particularly um, uplifting view at the moment. What can people do to do their bit at the moment?
1: Well, we continue to get get vaccinated and try and get our second doses in. That will trail by a considerable amount the uh, ability to control this outbreak in New South Wales. Brendan Crab at the Burnett Institute estimates that you'd have to get 60% of people with two doses to really have an impact, and we're miles away from that, a long, long way from that. But nonetheless, you should still keep on going to get second doses. And we've really got to isolate ourselves in our houses and not go out very much at all.
0: Is there more that the government should be doing?
1: Well, they could be providing much clearer instructions rather than relying on people's goodwill about what's acceptable and what's not. It's confusing when you don't know what are, what are essential, who are essential workers and we don't know what is essential retail. And there's lots of stuff open potentially that would create confusion in people's minds.
0: So you said just now one of the actions that people can take is getting vaccinated, and a question that we've had lots and lots over the course of the whole pandemic is whether it's safe to get a vaccine while you're breastfeeding. And there's new research that shows uh, that, yes, it is.
1: Yes, and what they've done is studied the um, mRNA vaccines, which is the uh, the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines. This is published in JAMA Paediatrics, just out. And what they show is that uh, the mRNA is largely undetect- undetectable in breast milk. So the, if you're worried about the mRNA, and you probably shouldn't be because it might actually immunise your baby... Um, there's none getting through, there's very little getting through to the breast milk. That doesn't, so what they did not measure were the antibodies. And what we've talked about before is that when you're breastfeeding and you've got antibodies to COVID, they will almost certainly get through in your breast milk and help to protect the baby. So good news there.
0: That's right. Well, actually, a different study in JAMA looked at that and found that they did have uh, antibodies going into breast milk. So yeah, good news for both mum and bub there. So that's that's mRNA vaccines. What about the other vaccines like AstraZeneca?
1: Well, they haven't studied that, but if the antibody, this, they're the same antibodies by and large. So if the anti Bodies get into breast milk from Pfizer and Moderna. They're going to get into the, into the breast milk from Astra.
0: And another high risk group that we get questions from a lot is people with cancer.
1: I mean, I'm still hearing of people with cancer being told by their oncologists not to get immunised. I'm not, I'm really not sure the evidence base for that. And there's been an interesting study in JAMA Oncology this time, looking at the antibody effect of immunisation and adverse effects in people with cancer. And that's with Pfizer the Pfizer vaccine and they found it basically to be safe with reasonable levels of antibodies, although the um, it takes longer probably to achieve those antibody levels. and it's still a question of how much of a booster you require in cancer, but certainly good news for getting at least the Pfizer vaccine in people with cancer.
0: So if someone's cancer specialist is telling them one thing and a daily podcast about the coronavirus is telling them another thing, which way should they lean or what should they do?
1: I think you should go to the CoronaCast website and pull off their reference and show it to your oncologist so you can get a response to it.
0: Good stuff. And one more uh, piece of news about different vaccines, Norman. Moderna, which is one of the vaccines that Australia might get in a couple of months' time, is looking at giving, or it, it looks like it's possible to give lower doses of it and still get a good immune response, which is possibly a game changer for low-income countries where vaccine resources are very scarce.
1: So they actually analysed the data on dosage with Moderna and found that a half dose seems to be just as good as the standard dose at stimulating immune protection, and maybe even a quarter dose. So that could mean that you dilute the Moderna even further, and it goes further.
0: So this has come from the original study where they were looking at which doses were going to work best. And it didn't look at first like the quarter dose did as good of a job as the full dose, but then six months down the track, they've actually got similar levels of antibodies. Is that right?
1: Yeah. And so essentially, you're not getting as quick a surge, but you are getting the, the results. And it may well be that a half dose would work because a compromise there. But this would speed up vaccination immensely if you could if you could do that.
0: Do people get fewer side effects?
1: Good question. Don't know the answer to it.
0: Oh, well, that's all the questions I've got for you, Norman. <laughs> um, if you've got questions... No,
1: I'm no longer answering your questions. Yeah.
0: That's right. Uh, dear listeners, if you have questions, of course, as always, you can ask them at abc.net.au slash coronacast and we'll be back talking to you again tomorrow.
1: See you then.